This episode is probably one of my favourites and this is usually the part where the podcast host would say, I say that every episode but, but this isn't the case. So this episode is episode 14 and it features Tanya Reed, aka Tans. So like most boxers, the fight always begins way before the ring and way outside of the ring, but more before the ring is even thought of or the ring is even created. Tanz's story is nuts. There's a lot of the mental health stuff that we usually talk about from people's addictions, from disorders, all sorts of diseases uh, and stuff happening to her own upbringing, uh, upbringing, sorry, and the, I guess, what's the word, unique situation uh, surrounding uh, her father is probably the easiest way to put it. Training over in Thailand and then on path, of course, to become Australasian champ uh, at a little over 21 years old. So, look, listen to this episode. There's a bit of everything for anyone if you're someone who enjoys to train, if you're someone who doesn't enjoy training, if you're someone who has a lot of family dynamics happening, if you are someone who just likes to listen to a good yarn, there is something for everyone in this episode. As I say, it's probably one of my favorite ones to date. So, check it out. The Best Side Podcast. This is 14, episode 14 with Tans. Tanya Reed, and this one is called There Is Always More Inside of You. Tanya is my name, uh, known, I suppose, as Tan the Terminator. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm, I call New Plymouth home. Um, I kind of grew up here, but I was born in Wellington. Oh, wow. And lived um, in numerous places for the first 10 years of my life, but yeah, from 10. So um, let's start with Wellington then. Where did you grow up in Wellington or where did, were you born in Wellington and things like um, that? Yeah, so I was born in Wellington, but then um, spent the first three years of my life in Marlborough. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wine country. <laughs> Wine country, yeah. Oh, maybe that's it. <laughs> um, and then uh, did a year in St Christchurch, um, back and forth to a lot of places, um, Auckland, Mangere Bridge, uh, yeah, there's like... There's a, why, why all the moving? How, how did that all come about? Um, so my my mum, um, she is a recovering alcoholic and, um, yeah, she just constantly on the move. So she couldn't really settle anywhere um, and so we kind of just moved. I think I went to six different primary schools. Sure. But, yeah, so between five and ten, lots of different primary schools. Um yeah, we, I lived with lots of different people and, and yeah, then and when I was 10, she moved to New Plymouth and stayed here. She stayed? She stayed. So she, she moved a couple of times. Uh, I think she went to Invercargill at one stage and back to Wellington at one stage. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I stayed I, I, because when she went back, I was an adult. So, but, yeah, I managed to stay here and this is home now for me. So, Sweet. yeah, I consider myself, I'm not... Um, you know, bred and born here, but I consider myself as. Might seem like a bit of a silly question, but um, something that stood out to me is like you. I think the way you said it was that we moved a lot because Mum was an alcoholic or whatever. Mm. How how does that relate? Like, how does moving around a lot relate to alcoholism? Just yeah, might yes. sound ignorant for someone who doesn't know, but no, no. Just, so yeah. she, um, I don't know. She just couldn't really settle. She had a lot of trauma in her life, I suppose, and. Um, then yeah, she never was able to stay still. Um, 
she had a mental breakdown, I think, when I was eight. And then I moved back to Martinborough um, with a foster family that took me in, um, the people we lived with for the first three years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then she um, she was kind of in and out of sort of hospital, not hospital, but sort of um, like recovery. So that was part of moving. She just couldn't, she couldn't really Like find, a rehab type thing? Or? Yeah, but she couldn't really find her place to settle. So she just, yeah, it was different towns for, for whatever reasons. Yeah. Um, we were in, when we were in Auckland, she had decided to go back to school and do a couple of years at school, but then kind of got back. How old was she when she decided to do that? Oh, she would have been, well, I was eight, so she must have been 28. Yeah. There's 20 years between us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an easy way to... Easy math, yeah, 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 yeah. So she might, I think it might have been around seven or eight. And, um, yeah, so she decided then to go and be adult teacher then she got you know back into back drinking and so she'd come off she'd be off the wagon for a little bit and then you know fall back into it and sort of thing but so she'd stop drinking and then she'd go be drinking and yeah it was quite um up and down so yeah 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 what sort of or maybe do you know even what what were the triggers that kind of led her to going back to yeah that so, sort of thing um i'm like not so much sure what the triggers were exactly, but she um, a lot of uh, she was molested from the age of like three, mm. um, and then uh, raped frequently by like her own father from the age of eight, um, and then yeah, just a lot of that sort of thing happened, which is what led to her um, having an alcohol problem. So by the time she was sort of 17, 18, she was heavy heavily drinking um and yeah had had huge alcohol issues um i was born when she was 20 so yeah there was a, and there's there's a lot that's just come out re- recently actually all around sort of um my conception and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's been <laughs> that's been a, been a journey yeah yeah a journey in itself you know like um, but i'm pretty open to to it and and um, I think everything happens for a reason, you mm. know, like, uh, yeah, it's weird, I suppose, because um, when I talk about it with people, they're, they're like, what? But, you know, I just, yeah, I just figure that everything happens for a reason and things happen in our lives that make us stronger or better for whatever reason. How did... um moving around a lot and, and I guess I suppose actually what I can ask first is how old were you when you started to kind of actually take notice of, of what was happening with mum like was it quite early that you kind of saw it from a very young age that she enjoyed a drink and all that sort of stuff um, yeah I never actually noticed the drinking to be honest till I was here in New Plymouth I just remember being going to, I remember going to Highlands and I used to come home um I'd come home from Highlands and I could smell the alcohol and mm. like the, and I remember just feeling like, oh fuck, she's back drinking, you know. And I'd come in, and I can remember she used to sit at this table and she'd have her wine bottle on the thing, and if I caught her, like you would not know this when you if you ever met my mum, like my mum's probably one of like the. Now, it's know. funny how that happened, yeah, and yeah. we'll touch on that later. Because yeah. honestly, I could, I could, you know, tell you about plenty of people that are like that yeah, just from yeah. my experience with this podcast. Yeah. That I've learned like similar things, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so yeah. carry on. Yeah. If I caught eye contact with her, which I tried not to, and I'd come and I'd 
head down and just walk, try and walk straight past like I didn't stuff. If I caught eye contact, man, I just got a hiding like for it obviously triggered her to make her feel bad or whatever. I was twelve, you know, yep. eleven, whatever. For minor Highlands, mm. um, <laughs> show my like, kind of like <laughs> no. kind of like triggered like a. Um, a response in her like she knew what she was doing wasn't necessarily yeah. why you were the evidence of that and so yeah. she took it out on you sort of thing yeah 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 and I don't mean just like a smack I yeah. mean like a thrown into the walls type you know hiding um, so to speak so uh, yeah it was a real like if I, sometimes if I smelt the wine when I stepped in I'd just go back out like the smell of alcohol in the air I'd just go back outside and go go around to my mate's place or just hang out outside on the streets for a bit until maybe she'd gone to bed and then I could come in and And was it at that point that you went and fostered with someone or was that did the fostering kind of happen way before oh way before yeah Yeah. so the people that um so so when (laughs) probably have to take you way back yeah yeah honestly okay so um so I'm thinking how far back I have to go Chance is trying to not reveal her age while she's yeah. doing all this. And it's young still. So, mum, okay. Mum, um, so I was, what I found out recently, or not, not that long ago actually, was because um, it was quite, I wasn't ever sure, who, I don't know my dad at all. So I was never sure who I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so I don't, didn't know him and I grew up. Um, been led to believe that he was this train conductor, right? And um, his name and where he lived and all this sort of stuff. I actually found out information about this guy, tracked him down and got a DNA test from him. And he was like, this doesn't actually make sense, but I'll do the DNA test anyway because he had a bit of a colourful background and he was like, you know, who knows sort of thing. Um, probably partly to help you out too. Yeah, probably. Like, like anyone maybe, who's you know, willing like, to try and do yeah. that must have a bit of... Like you know? awesomeness in them. Yeah, it's exactly. like, well, it's going to help this girl kick over some rocks. Let's so do it. Let's do it. Let's yep. do it. And, um, yeah, and it came back negative. So I said to mum, like, come on, like, there's got to be more to the to what you're telling me. Cause she was very, like, I couldn't, I've never been able to really talk to her about it because just sets her off, like, um, you know, really, I can see there's a lot of pain and a lot of, there was a lot of pain around that. Mm-hmm. So, so then it was, um, it came out and she said, well, actually, there's potentially a couple of potential fathers. And I'm like, man, my mum must have been a little bit loose, you know? Like, <laughs> that's funny, when you think of your, funny when you think of your parents Drinking, and that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, hell, mum, you know? Because <laughs> I've known her most of her life. She's never had a relationship. She's always been on her own and that's it, you mm. know? So to, to hear that, I was like, Damn, you know, like Where was this getting really drunk <laughs> and giving up to all sorts of mischief. <laughs> so that's how I kind of thought, and so we kind of found, I kind of found out there was, you know, more than a couple a couple of options, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how am I going to find these guys? Because you don't really have last names. How am I going to find this? And it's like, okay, managed to track another one down. Was not 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 him and I was like I feel like there's just something that's not that she's not telling me and I couldn't put a finger on it and there was um, and then my so my grandmother died I know we've gone off a bit but I'm coming Mm, back Uh, my grandmother when my grandmother died she 
my grandmother was really like, you don't need to know about your father and all this sort of stuff and why do you have to find out? And I'm like, I need to know where I come from because I don't like, <laughs> I don't know what I am, you know, at all, other than one half of my family. I could be anything, you know, mm. um, and I need to know inside. And not only that, as my son, right, what if there's medical stuff, you know, and I need to, to find out from my own son, like, whatever medical reasons and stuff. So, um, yeah, we went, what, where was I? Oh, um, oh yeah, so my grandmother died and she the, she left um, a folder that had her will in it and then it had um, my birth certificate, which on my birth certificate has mum's name and then next to father has not recorded, you know, and, and I've always seen it, but she had that in there. And then there was a letter in there that was um, dated 1979. Oh, shit, I'm giving away how long it was. <laughs> it was dated... Uh, dated to that date? Dated then. Yeah. And I was born not long before this date. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no, I was born in 78, so there, I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... So I was like, oh, what's this letter in here anyway? And the writing was really hard to read because back then, you know, it was a, it was an older um, person's writing mm-hmm. and really hard, like really like... Cursive and... Yeah, yeah. really nice, fancy looking writing. And I was like, I had to get like three people to try and... Um, if you blame our reading, generation. if you blame our reading <laughs> yeah. more than their writing. <laughs> to try and dissect some of the words, you know, and I had to get older generation people to try and... Um, put this word, this letter together for me, but it basically went on about I'm so sorry for what happened. Um, I really ruined things and went on about um, the little blonde girl that was born, obviously being me, and mm. on about my mum and and then how much she'll care, um, always care for us or something. And I was like, and it was from this person who was my my grandparents' very good friends. Right, so I'm like, why is this in my birth certificate? This makes no sense. Mm. And then, anyway, over, so I kind of just left it because I just didn't want to, you know, you kind of, it's quite energy draining trying to find out about stuff that can't be talked about and yep. then doing DNA tests that turn out to be negative. It's quite like, oh, man, I keep giving myself to this all the time and it's like, I just get like, stomped on yep. you know sort of thing so you, you need to step know. away and take yeah. a bit of a breather and yeah. then if you're going to go again go yeah, again yeah. you know like like into your sport exactly. sometimes when you take a hard fall you've yeah. got to have some time off exactly. until you can summon the energy and the support to get back in there again yeah that's it absolutely so um yeah so we went uh, I went a, quite a while was not bringing it up not talking about it nothing how long's quite a while like, like probably uh, I think my grandmother's been dead like six or seven years, mm-hmm. so quite a, a long time. And just recently, I just, I can't even think how me and mum started talking about it. So this was six months ago, maybe, we started talking about it. And I just, I've always had this um, gut feeling that there was potential, like, rape around how I was, you know, like, conceived. Yep, knowing um, what your mum had been through and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you know she wasn't entirely sure, maybe it was more like a date rape sort of thing. I wasn't exactly sure, so I just one day I just said, "Mum, I have to ask. Like, am I the result 
of potential like rape or date rape, you know. And she went really quiet, and I could just tell like the look on her face, and she was like, "Yeah, you are." And I was like, "Okay, I just I needed to know for myself mm. so that I can one like sort of deal with that myself, I guess, and two, it kind of gives me a little bit more of an idea of when she's talked about, um, you know, like drinking and 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 not re- recalling certain things and, and all that sort of stuff, like what maybe why, you know, mm. if there's a bit of trauma behind it. So, yeah, it, it all came down that there's, a, yeah, I think there was a bit of a boozy night that happened um, and she was fed up on a lot of alcohol as well as being, you know, a young sort of 19-year-old girl and then, um, yeah, some a couple of um, few you know men that were of um, a generation that probably should have known better mm. and yeah been involved so potentially this this man behind this letter potentially my own grandfather so that's like something else to, to deal with, yeah. have to deal with um, and you know the uh, two other possibilities that were there you know so so for mum I can. I kind of was like, fuck. It, it all made sense, you know? All of a sudden it was like, no wonder you fucking took up drinking and you just, you know, like, man, you've had it shit. Like, there's always someone that's had life more shit, you know? Mm. Um, I, like, I don't, I don't feel any actual anger towards any of these people because I'm here. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, you know, what hadn't happened, you know, if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here sort of thing. So it's like, oh, well, I'm here. Um, I, I potentially may not ever really know. I potentially may, who knows, but at least I kind of have a bit more understanding about it. Um, so when my grandparents found out, because mum's of the generation where you need to be married, um, you, don't, you don't have a child without having a husband mm. sort of thing, that they were like, well, um, you're going to have an abortion and you're going to... Back then you had to go to Australia to have an abortion like they didn't do it in New Zealand. So they were going to fly her out, um, pay, like, had paid for her to go, like, be flown out and um, go over to Australia and all this on her own. She had to do, deal with all this shit on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mum... Um, went and hid in a motel, like took the money and hid in a motel room and hid out the, the time, length of time so that I could be born basically so that then um, the abortion couldn't happen because you know like once you get past a certain stage back then abortions couldn't happen mm. so no longer she was like no I'm going to give I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to raise this baby myself um so yeah, she got past that stage, went back home to their horror, you know, she's like now they've got to deal with a teenage pregnant girl. Um, so what they did was so back then, I don't they don't have it now, they used to have like I think it's called Federated Farmers or something like that and they used to put basically pregnant girls used to go out to these farmhouses in the country and um, kinda they they're hidden away, you know, the, the society, public, general public doesn't know 
what's you know that the skills pregnant and then they just bring them back and they either adopt the baby out or they well they've got a baby yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe they've found a husband in there somewhere but that's how they dealt with it so they sent her out they found one of these um farm houses that would take her um which i'm kind of grateful for because of the people that that came into mum's rescue you know then uh so that i call them uncle grand auntie auntie florence like they're like they're not my they're still in your life they're passed on now but um their boys are which are they're my cousins in my eyes they're, this is my auntie my they're not my blood related mm. uh, you know but they were there so they took mum in they became like mum's mum and dad um and for me they were my auntie and uncle their sons they couldn't have children so they adopted three boys and they felt like they adopted like um mum and me as well so they became like foster they were like i call them my foster family technically it was never signed off because mum wouldn't sign the rights over to them yeah they tried to um adopt me like you know once full time full time so to speak so to speak yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah, so then there was a period. So mum, mum actually took off right before she like she she so she stayed with them right through the pregnancy. Um, right before I was born, like literally a week before she took off, and they didn't know where where she'd gone. She checked into a flat or got herself a flat. Had me at the hospital. Went back to the flat. Within two weeks of having me, uh, my auntie Florence was, um, she got, mum got hold of her, like just in a mess, just bawling her eyes out, um, couldn't deal with with uh, having a new baby. Yeah. Um, and they, she's, this was back in Wellington, um, and they went and picked mum up, and uh, like my auntie was a, um, nurse so it was probably quite lucky she said I was like a um, malnourished little infant that wasn't getting I wasn't getting any breast milk or nothing like just mm. like starving she said had we been any longer you might not have been here again so you know it's like oh man someone's looking over me yeah yeah <laughs> all the close calls eh? yeah yeah um yeah so mum got um they took mum back and yeah we were that so we we stayed there for the next three years, so that's that's um, the first three years of my life. Where I was in Martinborough on a on a um, sheep farm <laughs> with the um, you know with the boys and stuff. Um, and then my so my grandparents didn't acknowledge that I lived. I was a, until I was three years old. So then they stepped in and decided that um, yeah they were gonna you know. Take, be a part of it. Be a part of it. Take mum on, and it's quite interesting. Cause my my grandmother keeps diaries, so I've read like all these, you know, diaries of all sorts of stuff, and and literally. Because you'd be reading them from her perspective too, eh? Yeah, and like she just like she, <coughs> excuse me, she used to just take little notes, but there's literally <laughs> nothing about me for the first three years, and then it's got like uh, I think on my third birthday. It just says like T turns three. There's no like T was born like in the other years. Or not even like I met her for the first time, yeah. third birthday. It's just T turns three. T turns three. So fucking it's that was always kind of my my grandmother. She was real like black and white. She used to say to me, we actually had a really you wouldn't believe we actually were right this. 
I was going to ask that. Because so close. That happens quite a bit. Like, a, a parents battle to tame their kids a little bit, but somehow the grandparents and the, and the kids yeah, kind yeah. of can gel on another level. Yeah. I was going to ask if you still had that, considering everything that yeah, had gone so on. Yeah, we were, um, we ended up um, really, really close. Like, I remember my, I've got super fond memories of um, sitting on the ground with my head on her lap and her just, like, playing with my ears and, like, telling me stories and about, because she, they were involved with the Operatic Society. Oh, like, cool. In, the, um, in Wellington. Yep. And, um, yeah, so she's like, I can remember that. Um, yeah, heaps of stuff like about just growing up, like Christmases and, and all that sort of stuff. And then as we got older, she was into um, like race horses. And they, like, that's how I first got, like, I went to the races and stuff with my grandmother. And, yeah, and she, <laughs> we were real close. But she used to say, Oh, you know, like I remember not. We didn't. We never wanted you. We wanted you to have your mother to have an abortion. Like just like, should we have a cup of tea, and we'll talk about how you were meant to be an abortion. I was gonna ask, like, if you. I was actually gonna ask if you ever gave, because I know how cheeky you are. I was gonna ask if you ever gave her shit about. Oh, you didn't even want me yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But she was the one saying to you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's funny, like when you. Like, not funny, like, for the first time, I think, when she said it, I was like, oh, man, that, that was... <laughs> that hurt, that hurt oh, a bit? You know? grabbing your stomach yeah. as you talk about yeah, it? Like I'm that just, cut? Yeah, yeah, and I'm real, um, you know, like, like, everyone's got choices in their life to, you know, make about that sort of thing, but for me personally, that's, I, you know, I couldn't because of how... Shit, if my mum had done it, you know, like... Um, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't. My son wouldn't be here. It's crazy. It's crazy to think like that. That just her and I'm, what she went through. She was able to be strong enough to make that decision. No, nah, I'm going to have this child, knowing she was going to be on her own and that her parents would be like, "That's it. You're gone." Mm. You know. But um, look, they. My grandparents were like they were actually really <laughs> cool to me. You know and. And, um, from three onwards. Yeah, from, <laughs> from the age of three. <laughs> and then, you know, it was quite hard. Then there was a gap um, where I did, had nothing to do with them. When we shifted to New Plymouth, mum, like, that's actually cut them out of our lives. And they used to have to, they used to try and ring, um, they, and they've told me this, how they used to try and ring, like, the schools um, to just find out if I was doing okay at school. Um, and the school was just like, look, we can't really give you any information, but she, you know, she's coming to school. <laughs> she's really coming. Doing, she's coming you know, to school. Yeah, you know, she's coming to school. I wasn't doing great at school. <laughs> I wasn't doing, um, you know, like I was. Yeah, I was a bit of a shithead to be fair for for a while there. So yeah. <laughs> so what, what? When? Um. Yeah, I guess with your what? what how's your? Mum's relationship with her parents? Not good. Mm. Yeah, so, nah, not good at all. Um, all all the way through. And I can remember, like, physical fights happening between my mum and my grandmother. Lots of screaming and yelling. Um, I can remember, so my granddad, even though what happened, like, what, what he did to my mum, I never, ever saw anything remotely like that, you know, towards me. Um, and oh, but I remember, I remember I think sitting on his knee as a, a kid or or maybe I think we were actually that's what it was we were 
were watching TV, like they always were into the latest technology when it came out. They had this little portable black and white TV there, <laughs> you know, and they, they'd come and visit us and and um, he he was really proud of this tiny little TV. And So we'd lie on the bed and watch TV, like, you know, open bedroom yep. door and all that sort of stuff. But I can, I can remember mum coming in and out heaps of times and I never knew why until it was like years later when I found out it was like oh that's why he used to come in I can remember one time she came in and started yelling at him about um about lying on the bed with me and I always thought it was strange and I can remember her asking me when granddad gives you a good night kiss how does he kiss you you know like all that sort of stuff and and you thinking your mum's been weird yeah I'm like what 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 do you mean, how does he kiss me, you know, gives me a kiss on the cheek or he gives me a kiss on the lips, but not like, you know. Mm. I'm just, yeah, so um, it all made sense years later once I found out. I think I was quite, I was still quite young though when I did find out. I think I was around that sort of 13 when mum, like, told me what had happened and, you know. Yeah. But I, could, I think it was, she'd been yelling at them and then she just told me by yelling at me about it and then went back drinking and you know like I think it was kind of a drunk and that's how I found out but yeah can you remember like when you because I mean she would have probably said it to you maybe a couple of times I'm guessing and you kind of didn't really register it or whatever or did she say that once and you really registered yeah I can remember her saying like and I was just like what granddad what are you like granddad's not like that he's never you know Mm. this is the the guy that stands with the sprinkler for three hours while I run back and forth under it, you know, my togs and who tried to teach me to play cricket and, you know, all that sort of stuff because I think he wanted a grandson, not a granddaughter. (laughs) (laughs) But he got a tomboy one, so it was all right. (laughs) So then, yeah, I guess, like, when you kind of... It sounds like you've had... Is that one moment or a few moments where you've kind of thought to yourself... Fuck, man, you've actually been quite a soldier through all this stuff. Yeah, more the last, um, particularly when, like, the last six months, really, it was Mm. like, oh, shit, you know, like, that must have been really hard to have dealt with. Um, It might have been even longer ago than six months. It might have been the last 12 months. But it's, yeah, it's maybe been the last six months I've been able to talk about it quite... um, openly like it is it is what it is sort of thing you know it's like it doesn't define who I am mm. just because I'm the product product of that um, yeah so I actually got my DNA tested because I was like well I need to know what you know what I am now yeah, yeah. and here's the crazy thing so quite often when you, if you do the DNA result uh, tests you might be 20% this and 5% that and you know 12% that and, blah, and there's quite a lot but I'm like 92% British Isles. <laughs> so I'm a pure breed. Yeah. 6% Polynesian. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and so I joke about it with the boys. Yeah, I've, yeah, heard, you, I've heard you talk about it in boxing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. joke about the, six, the 6% Islander in me that comes out and all this sort of stuff. And then like 2% Asian or something. Maybe that's why I like Thailand. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're so, running away over yeah, there. Yeah. So, um, but it was good to know. I was like, oh. Now I actually know maybe a little bit more about where I come from. Like, mm. um, okay, nine, 92% of this, is, of British Isles, is pretty pretty high, you know? 
I don't feel 92% up there. <laughs> Actually, they I relate more to the politics. Yeah, yeah, probably like, more to the 6%. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so with your, obviously, kind of everything you've described, I guess, gives us a, a good, like, more than a good background of, 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 <laughs> yes. of who you are and, and what, yeah. you know, you, your mum stuff have been through. Yeah. Um, how about your relationships? How has all that, has that stuff, if any, had an effect, do you think, on relationships in your life? Um, or nah? Not, maybe not so much on relationships in my life. I'll pro- yeah, no, it actually probably has, you know, like this is probably what I'm learning more at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm very protective of myself, I think, like of being vulnerable. Um, I'm a bit like, I'm probably, probably more so um, like the one person you can always trust in is yourself, mm. you know? So trust in yourself, no matter what, because that person ain't gonna let you down. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So in a way, maybe like, you know, that. Um, and if they do, they're the one person that you know you can give a lecture and yeah, they'll take it on board. You give it yourself a hiding <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. um, But in saying that, like, so mum, mum has tried to take her own life twice, once when I was eight, um, seven, eight, and I can remember it like it happened yesterday. Like I can remember it. I can remember the feelings. You know, like when something traumatic happens, you can just remember yeah, it. Triggers off. Emotional attachment, yeah. so to speak, they call it. Yeah. So can you take us through that? Then? Yeah, like yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. So what happened? Well, what do you remember? Or what went down? Um, I mean, I came home from school. We were living in Mangere Bridge at the time. I came home from school, um, and uh, mum had a ve- like a vegetable knife, you know, and was trying to like slice her wrists in sure. front of me and she was like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, I'm over. Um, and, I, and I was like bawling my eyes out, like, mummy, mummy, don't, please don't. How old were you? Eight. eight? Seven, I think. I think I was seven, ten. I think I had my eighth birthday in Marlborough because I rang, I actually rang Uncle Green up and Auntie Florence and was like, mum's trying to hurt herself and, and they got on the next plane like drove to Wellington, got on the next plane straight up to um, Auckland and Uncle Green did and came and stayed with us, um, got mum into hospital. So she that's when she had her breakdown and um, they they took me back to Martinborough and so I went I, I went changed schools again <laughs> and went to um, Martinborough primary for a little bit. But I can remember writing mum notes, like letters begging her not to take her own life um, and, and to get better and how much I loved her and all that sort of stuff. Did she ever spoken to you about those letters? No, but my auntie did. My auntie, like, kept photocopies of the letters and she, because she wanted to always talk to me about them when I was older. Older to be able to talk about them? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so she photocopied them. She'd still sent them to mum, but she photocopied them so that I could look back and like, when I looked... When I, my auntie showed me them, she was like, would you like to read these letters? And when, as soon as I started reading it, I like got really like emotional about it and it was like, made me feel sick. Like, took you back? Yeah, it took me, took me back to, so I started, that took me a long time to deal with it and I, for a long time, I, man, I just, mum and I didn't have a relationship at all. In fact, I probably bought a lot, I wouldn't like to use the word hate because I think it's a really strong word but I didn't like her for a very long time, you know, yeah, because of doing that, like, putting me through that, like, you know, it was 
always afraid for a long time that I'd lose the one person that I loved the most in my life, you know, at, at that age. Like, that's your, that's your, your parent, mm. you know, your parent's not meant to do that sort of thing, which... <coughs> And that's probably why I'm very protective of my... Like, I'm really protective of my own son. Yep. Because, you know, I'm a, I mean, I'm a parent, but I never, ever want him to feel like he ever has to worry that he's going to lose me for doing something like that. You know, like something... In my eyes, what I consider a very selfish act, you know? Um, you know people get have to get... Pretty, you know, they obviously have to get pretty low to want to do that. Mm. And then the last time she tried to do it, would you believe, was four months ago. Oh, shit. And that brought back a lot of feelings of, oh, my gosh, you're trying to do this again. Um, this time it wasn't with a vegetable knife. It was with sleeping tablets. And she just took a whole lot of sleeping tablets. But luckily, her friend was um, onto it enough, like, it could tell something was not right via phone call or something that had happened just right before. And she rushed around to Mum's place, and um, Mum was like out the gate. And um, Mum doesn't live far from the hospital. My fr- her friend just threw Mum in the car. I was working at the time because I um, was working with youth, so it was during a weekend, and they couldn't get hold of me because I had my phone down, and I was work- like with the, with the kids, yeah, hanging out with them. And then yeah, I got these phone calls that. Um, this, all, you know, all these missed calls and then they're like, oh, your mum's in hospital and I was like, oh, why is that? Because mum had sent me a text that morning saying I love you so much. I hadn't really like, I hadn't responded because I'd been at work and, you know, um, I didn't really think of it. She sent me two texts. One said, I love, love you very much. You and Brayden are everything in my life. And I, yeah. And then, oh no, like, cheers, like, mum. Yeah, read it, carried on doing whatever I was doing, you know. And then the next one was in capitals, I love you so much. And that was around the time, when, like once I found out later, of when she had taken these sleeping tablets. Um, by the time I got the messages, and then like had to get up, I had to drop kids off and then get up to the um, hospital. Um, they'd, they'd pump, like, pumped her stomach or whatever they'd done. She was on, like, so that was hard scene. She was in recess on the oxygen thing, looking at me like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> slurring, like, she, was, she could hardly speak. She's like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, like, I laughed now, but I was just like, I was, like, it was really hard to see. And I mean, I know. Were you quite hysterical at the time when you? Nah, I wasn't. I just was real. I'm a bit of a, and 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 I put this bit probably to boxing, and um, unstressful situations. I probably keep it quite calm, cool, calm and collected sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I just deal with whatever I've got to deal with on a almost take any emotions out, because that's easier. Then you can deal with things you've got to remove your that emotion for a moment and deal with it and I was just like gave her a big hug and, and um held her hand for a little bit and when she she was in and out you know do, <coughs> in and out kind of dozing in and out of consciousness and then they, I remember coming to a point like I was like okay I need to just go outside of the curtains and I went out of the curtains into the 
um, hallway of the hospital and A&E just bawled like this real like cry just out there I didn't want anyone um, to be around me at the time um, like to see me and now I remember this little old lady came over and she's like would you like a cup of tea dear and I was like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like no. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm alright, I'm yeah. just dealing with this at the moment. <laughs> it's you know, yeah. So um it's like mum and that my relationship has probably always been very up and down because of the alcohol, um and yeah, of those sort of you know, I know her her trying to take her own life way back and um yeah, there was yeah, there was a good part there where I just sort of didn't, didn't wouldn't give her the time, didn't give her the time of day. Yeah. Um, yeah, but now I'm a lot. We we get on. The last four months, I mean, obviously I've been in Thailand for three months, because I was like, well, I'm I'm actually out of here, and I I have actually finally probably got to a point in my life. I've always been the parent and mum in my relationships. So I've kind of always. It's like I've had two children, yeah. my mother and my son, you know, like, so, um, and, yeah, I just had got to, I got to a point where after this happened, I was like, well, I'll get support around you, so I got the Taranaki retreat people. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were amazing um, to come in and be more support for mum. She came and stayed with me for a few days, and I got her back into her flat, got the support around her because... You know, I decided, you know what, I'm going to Thailand. I'm going to do what I need to do for me now. And um, at the end of the day, you can't stop someone from doing that. And mm. and it's I can't physically stop her. If she's going to do it, she's going to do it. And I had to kind of hope that and trust that she would. And I, she's made promises now that she won't. You know, but yeah. you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, put any trace, trust, yeah, yeah. trust, or wait into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Um. So, I talk about um. You've mentioned boxing. Yeah. You brought it up. So, <laughs> so let's start. Let's go to that. We haven't even touched on that. How did that start? Um. So, well, <laughs> um. So I suppose I've always been a bit of a fighter, really. Been fighting for my life from the mm. beginning. Um, so it's all, I guess it's always been in, in the blood. Um, but when I was sixteen, so I was a, I was a shit from the age of probably thirteen. Like from Highlands, it started like intermediate. I started like doing going down this bit of a shithead stage. Um, I've been really lucky, I've had some amazing people, mentors, role models in my life. Like I'm, I know I haven't had a father, so to speak, but I've had some really standout male um, mentors. Todd's stepdad, so he, he's one of them that- Is that Mark? Mark. Mark, so Mark, um, I lived with, I lived with them. For oh, you stayed at the at the months. house. Yeah, on Gilbert Street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was probably there for twelve months. Mark, I, I don't think Mark remembers me, but I have I had a bit of that as well oh, when I you? was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I met through uh, I met Mark through another family around here, the Smithers. Um, oh, yeah. Out in Orkuta, on the way to Orkuta. So oh, true. I met um, yeah Mark and, and Nathan too, kind of that way. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, how yeah. I come. But I've seen Mark a couple of times. I still say hello and stuff like that, yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. think he... But man, he's looked after so many people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing <laughs> dude. Kids, yeah. Like, yeah. And that, yeah, so I lived with them for probably 12 months, I think. I can't quite... Yeah, 12 months, I'm pretty sure I was about 14. 
um, I was jumping out of windows, something chronic, and going into town at night. I found I found this older crowd that I started hanging out with. This is when you were like 13, 14? Yeah, yeah, I think it was about four, yeah, 13, 14. I must have been about that. And, um, yeah, so I was going into town, jumping out, uh, running away from the police, just being real pain in the ass. <laughs> Like I'd been like handcuffed by the cops like two or three times and they'd take me back to, to home to mum's, you know, and she'd be like beside herself because I'm, I, you know, here's her 14 year old handcuffed again in the back of the police, police car. car. Um, never got arrested, you know, because I was young, I was 14. The crowd I hung out with were, um, they were 18, they were drinking. I wasn't drinking, so surprisingly, I was just getting a buzz off running away from the cops that, yeah. was, that was my and being just a general shithead you yeah. know um, and it's it's just crazy. thriving off rebellion yeah yeah it's crazy to think that you know um, and then I, I did that for probably I don't know 18 months I suppose of just that putting mum through that mum got to a point where she was like you need you're out you're going to live it um I live with Mark and Kerry. Um, I think I'd stayed one of the nights. I slept in the back of Mark's. I had this old bongo. Barry the bongo used to call us the van. Mm. And uh, bongo van. And one night I found that it was unlocked. So I jumped in the back of it and slept in it. <laughs> and um, They probably got up thinking you'd run away or? Oh, no. Um, yeah, well, mum was like, oh, she's left and all this. And then um, Mark found out that I'd... Um, that I'd fallen asleep in the van and um, yeah he was not happy that I'd done that you know like kind of trespassed and stuff like that but then I mean I was lived with them and then I got taken home by the cops a few more times at his place but Mark was like he was good he was probably what I needed man I, like he would kick me up the ass not physically kick me up the ass but I can remember him being woken up by the police because and I remember saying to the cops don't take me back to her their um, place take me to my mum's because I was shitting that I was going to be in so much trouble and then him opening the, the um, door up and I was like head down standing there like couldn't make eye contact with him he, he just looked at me and he's just like get inside and I was just like ran inside <laughs> and yeah and that I like in that time what was it about him man like that you I, think inspired a bit he's more he's like six foot four <laughs> <laughs> He's not a small man, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when you're, I was quite little when I was like fourteen. I was quite sure I didn't grow until I was a bit later, like a bit later. Mm. And uh, I was, yeah, I was just like, and I suppose <clears throat> I didn't have any men in, in my life, so I didn't know. I was just like, oh my god, you know, like I've got to do as he's top. He's yeah. telling me he's probably um, the closest thing to a male figure, you know, father yeah. figure sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, I kind of started to clean that side of things up a bit and then one of the um, old, oh he was a constable back then, I think he became the area like commander after a while, um, Bled Telford, he was quite well known around mm-hmm. T- um, Taranaki, he, he said to me one night, picked me up and he said, you're going to end up either on the streets, like in the gutter, raped and dead, or you're going to be working in one of those like 
brothels and I was like, I am not. Like, whatever, you know. <laughs> like, I thought I was this big, tough, you know, tough, or little, tough you had it figured girl. out. Yeah, yeah, that I had it all figured out and I was not. And, I, you know, and he was like, I bet you are. And I was like, why? Well, and because I'm a bit of a, you got to be competitive. With me. Yeah, you're competitive. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I bet you I aren't. He goes, What do you want to bet on? I bet you I aren't. <laughs> yeah, I bet you I aren't. He's like, I bet you are. He goes, I bet you. This is what he said. I bet you you can't keep off the streets for six months. And I was like, Bet you I can. And he goes, Come on, then what should we bet? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, I really like Tim Tams, the biscuits. I'll bet you a packet of Tim Tams that you can't keep off the streets for six months. That, that bet <laughs> kept me off the street for six months. Crazy. Crazy. And that, and, and that was the moment I changed, I stopped. And then, I know, because <laughs> this, this is leading into boxing. Yeah. And then I came across boxing. Around in that six months of being off the street, I needed something to do. And while I was walking... Because running from the cops, you weren't getting, you weren't <laughs> yeah, getting that, getting... you weren't expending that energy no, anymore. No, no. So, I was, you know, I was getting in trouble at school and, and stuff like that. So I needed some um, something like that. And I was hanging out down the old cool stores, being a bit of a shit. Like, down the port. Yeah, down oh, yeah. the port, like looking in the windows and... And you know, just being general, generally annoying because I couldn't go into town at nights anymore. I had to do it during the like in the afternoons in the daylight and go and be annoying. And um, and I heard all the skipping, like, and I was like, "Where's that coming from?" I could hear that noise, like, went had a lot, and there was this boxing club inside these old cool stores, and it was the old Auckland Boxing Club. And um, yeah, I thought, oh yeah stuck my head in like you know just and I think I was I was six maybe 16 then 15 or 16 stuck my head in there was a couple of coaches in there was no girls in there there was just a group of probably five five or ten guys maybe and I just and you know a few old bags hanging up little wee um tiny little ring in the middle of this cool store a couple of coaches and I just kind of watched you know and I yeah, watched what they did and then one of the coaches was like, are you coming in? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll come in. Went in, started, like, skipping, because I just was always a shorts and T-shirt type person anyway. So I just started, you know, trying to skip, I think. <laughs> Didn't really know how to uh, skip. The oldest... There'll be people listening right now going, I still can't skip. <laughs> yeah, they're like the oldest... Um, those material ropes, you know, and with the wooden handles. Yeah, yeah. Like, skipping with those. Um, and then they give me an old pair of bag gloves that are like, they're like this, <laughs> this thing. Wow. They just, you know, and um, attempted to, I think they just put me in front of the bag, really. I just mucked around, didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I just hit hit the bag a couple of times and, oh yeah, I like this. Started going to it, I think, I can't remember how many days a week they did it, they did it every day. Every time it was there, I was there. When it wasn't on, I used to go and hang out around there, kind of hoping just in case. It turned <laughs> up, up yeah. you know, like and and so for six months, I did that. That I just started learning, um, learn, like just a little bit of basics, I guess. Um, they let me spar. I don't remember having a mouth guard, but I must have had a mouth guard. But uh, I don't really know. I just kind of went like bull at a gate. <laughs> you know, like a sixteen-year-old girl, like the red. Yeah, yeah. And I just took off. Not the technique. Yeah, just yeah, going no hunting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just going hunting. Um, 
and then after six months they closed down because um, it was being run by a guy that was a farmer and so he, he had a farm to run and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah it closed down there was no boxing I think a lot of the boys went out to Waitara but you know I was 16 I didn't have a car you know to be able to go out there and do that so um, that's probably I started getting into soccer um, but by you know by then I realised I needed physical exercise and then, to stop um, you from being a little shit? To stop me from being a little shit. And then I joined the Territorials when I was 17. Oh, crazy. Um, because by then I'd recognised I needed discipline in my life and some sort of physical outlet. And so, yeah, that was my... That's, that was, <laughs> that ticked both the boxes. Yeah, it ticked both the boxes. And then... Um, How was that experience? Because I imagine at that time, and tell me if I'm wrong, but at that time, I guess in that era... Like, a lot of people talk about kind of what women can and can't do in certain times, but it seems like, well, from what I understand, that the army's pretty constant. They don't give a shit. Like, if yeah. you're in there, you're in there. They've they're never had there. a yeah, sort nah. of discrimination type and, thing. And the territories here, like, it's the infantry, you know, like, five battalions, the the main corps here. And oh, so you joined here in New Plymouth? Yeah, yeah, oh, joined was here. Was that on CV Road? The yes. little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's... And um, so that was... So my staff sergeant down there, start, um, Solid Vaitoru, who's down in Wellington now, we're still, like, very close, you know, like... Cool. He, I was 17 and I was a smart mouth, <laughs> as you can probably imagine. Like, I'm probably still like that, but I've learned to contain it <laughs> over the years. But um, Know who you can and can't say then, to yeah, yeah, totally. Back then I had no filter at all, and um, that was what I knew, that I needed that sort of discipline. So... Yeah, I went and joined up and I just loved it. Man, I was just, I think my first weekend as a recruit, this is maybe what got me hooked, was uh, um, like, like they had a live firing ex- exercise. They had like rocket launchers, you know, they had um, grenade launchers, they had, sure. yeah, machine, the machine guns, the style, the, you know, semi-autos, all that sort of stuff for the whole weekend. And yeah, we actually got to have a little play. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is me. Sign me up, <laughs> you know? And that was it. Like, um, yeah, I was just hooked after that. And I'd go away as much as I could. And, and I considered <clears throat> going, um, you know, regular force, going full-time. Um, but, yeah, then I got... Um, I, I, why did I... Yeah, then I kind of fell in love and all that sort of stuff. That's why you left? Um, oh, no, I stayed in, so I stayed in the territorials till I was 24. Um, but I, I decided to not go... When I was kind of looking at going regular force was a few years down the track, I was quite happy. Like, I got, you know, went working and stuff and, and then just doing the territorials on the weekends and then I was like, oh, maybe I'll look at regular force. And then not long after that, I was got pregnant with my son. And, yeah, so then I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to go. You know, I've got a, a son. But I'll, I'll st- I stayed in for another few years after he was born and um, his... I met his dad in the territorials as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we'd just do like, he'd go away one weekend. We got we'd we'd swap, you know, like it was like, oh, you do that weekend, I'll do that next weekend, and whoever had to look after the baby. <laughs> Did you know? And you know, we'd go down like Seaview Road all the time with a with this little fella in the, <laughs> in the little, little army brat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that was, um, and then yeah, when he got to. In about three, I, I decided that I'd get out. So I think I did seven years, seven years in the territorials and loved it, loved it. One thing I want to touch on there quickly then is it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you guys had quite a good 
co-parenting sort of yeah. relationship yeah. happening. Can yeah. you kind of elaborate on, <clears throat> on how that worked or how you guys made that work? Because that's a big thing yeah. a lot of people face these days. It is, um, yeah. So, yeah, um, just your experience with I it. I think, so... So, I mean, when tell them when, when you first found out you were pregnant, yeah, how, did, yeah. how did that yeah, conversation yeah. So go? We, yep. oh, <laughs> so, I'd been away, I'd been away for three weeks on a um, junior NCOs course, and when I was away, I was saying to this girl, um, man, yeah, I still haven't had my period. I haven't had it, I don't remember having it last month either. Like, <laughs> I was a bit like one of those sort of, you know, like, oh, Oh, she'll be right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Very Kiwi attitude. She'll be right. It'll, it'll come. Um, and then, yeah, she um, and she was like, "Oh, I think you need to get a check." And I was like, "Nah, I'll be, I'll be all good." Go back to you know, got back from being away, and went to work. And one of my workmates, who knew that I had a, had my period before I left, was like, "Have you had your period yet?" And I was like, "Nah, still haven't." She was like. <laughs> and I worked at the time I was working at Pack and Save when it was in Centre City. Yep. Come on, we're going downstairs to the pharmacy. Pharmacy. <laughs> she dragged me back to the toilets. She's like, you're peeing on this. So I found out in work, <laughs> came up, put, like, positive, started bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this is. How do you find out? So I was uh, 20. Yep. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, and I was like, how am I going to tell him he's going to stress out, <laughs> you know, because he, he was, um, braced dad was a bit older, like, you know, than me, so, yeah, I just uh, told him, and he burst into tears as well, because we had, like, plans to do all this shit, so, you know, it was... Were you guys, like, actually together at we the time? Together, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 so we, we were living together, you know, I went home, and I was like, oh, look... <laughs> And I go, but I don't know if it's right because, you know, we got it from Cedar City. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should go to the doctors. So we went to the doctors and same thing. And, oh, yeah, guess what came up? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we were, I was just, I'd, I'd always said if I ever got pregnant, I'd never have an abortion. So, you know, that was something that was, so there was no question, are you going to have an, you know, it was yep. just always not. Um, yeah, so we were just like, um, and then we split when Bray was three, um, and you know, of course, initially there's a lot of pain around separation, um, and there is, and it's you know like juggling uh, um, a child and and you know hurting parents and without it affecting you know kids are more resilient than we give them credit for. Mm. It's parents and parents' our egos that take the battle, you yep. know, and it's like. Um, you know what? But we used to have terrible arguments and stuff like that. And you know, like I was young, like I was seventeen when I met his dad. And we were together for quite some time, eighteen maybe. So, you know, that was like my first, or maybe my, you know, like first proper proper relationship. Like I'd had relationships before, and but that was, you know, yep. was, we were together for I think we were together about seven years as well, and. And um, so, yeah, just uh, uh, kind of, well, we're actually really good friends now, you know, like Bray's, we've been split for 16 years, you know, so Bray's 19 now, and um, he, he, like, you know, we've, we've had moments where it was hard in the beginning, but I'm real laid back, so, <clears throat> and I had full, full custody, you know, of him, and, um, his dad worked um, in the prison 
um, and he works, you know, like on kind of shift works. So I just made it easy for him. So it was more when he wanted to see him. We worked around his schedule. His um, shift work. His shift, shift work, you know, and we came to our own personal agreement with um, fi- the financial side of things because I think that that's, a, that's another thing that, and it can get out of control with um, parents trying to, like, hurt each other like financially and it doesn't need to happen you know like brain never went without so you know he he um always had what he needed and all that sort of stuff and and i'm pretty sure if i ever had turned around to him and said well actually i can't afford this can you help out he would have like that because that's for you know his child but i never did that because i I'm a little bit proud myself. Yeah, yeah. And you've I'm mentioned like, no, your competitive yeah. nature, the Tim Tams. <laughs> I could do this myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was always sort of, you know, like that. Um, so whatever he need, like whenever he wanted to have him, he had him for however long he wanted to have him. You know, let's just make it work. Like it's, it doesn't need to be like, and, and Bray, you know, all, I remember him from, 12 years old say, making comments like oh, I'm so glad you and dad get on mum like because it would be annoying like because he had friends who whose parents didn't get on and mm. you know it, it just makes it hard for the kids like they're the other ones that get caught in the middle and like you know let's, let's be we can still be great parents to to kids without having to um, I don't know Fuck each other up in the process. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck them up. Like, you know, there's no need. There's enough hurt as it's done. And, and 16 years down the track, and it's like, we like he'll bring me up when he's, you know, been on the piss and, hey, what are you? And we'll chat for an hour, you know, sometimes not on the piss or whatever, but we just, we can sit and chat for ages about old times. We can talk about, like, the boys in the army, oh, do you remember that time we went out, blah, 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 and we were talking about this time, night, you know, or this time we went out, or, you know, yep. um, exercises that we did in the army, and and it's not, it's not awkward or uncomfortable, um, you know, you know, he's, he's come out for Christmas and stuff, like, when I've been, like, in previous relationships and stuff, he's come and hung out and had Christmas with us, and, and, you know, because that's, that's what, you know, like, that's how it kind of should be. You should be able to get on. And you sh- at the end of the day, like, Bray's going to have a 21st in a couple of years. We're probably both going to be at it, doing speeches or whatever. Why would we not want to be not able to take photos or when Bray gets married or when he has, you know, babies and stuff like that and we've got grandkids, we're going to be being grandparents, to, you know, together. We might have our own families or our own partners or whatever but that's you know you just you've got to make it work you know yeah. what, why why make it hard <laughs> yeah. Yeah. cool no, I think... missed the whole boxing part though no, no, that's right. no, no. Well, that's, oh no I was always going to bring it back but I just wanted to it's my fault because I wanted to jump no, on that and, right. and talk about that because I know that's a lot of thing that people go through yeah. is the whole co-parenting thing but yeah I, yeah. I guess back to um, your segue into your boxing yeah. so you went away to your territorials and stuff yeah, for a bit and did you do some boxing while nah, you so were while, so while there were so then there was no boxing clubs um, other than I think I said out Waitara they had their boxing club but you know like by then I'd kind of you know I had a child and all that sort of stuff so I didn't didn't really think about it um, and then I heard in 2007 I heard that there was this boxing club that was going to open up in um, 
our block. And I was like, oh yeah, I went out to the opening day out there. And I can remember saying, I can't remember who it was to, if it was Jake or Sam, but I can remember going up to one of them and being like, because when I was, did it when I was 16, there was no boxing in New Zealand. Like for women, there was like there was boxing in New Zealand, but it was only for men. And I remember writing a letter um, to the New Zealand Boxing Committee, telling them at 16 years old, they needed to um, allow women's boxing because it was allowed in the state. So why couldn't it be allowed in New Zealand? And they sent me a letter back saying that it wasn't going to be happening in the foreseeable future. And it was this like, is when you were 16? Yeah, when I was 16. So that was about nine... God, I don't even know. <laughs> it's in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say early 90s. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I remember saying to uh, Jake or saying whoever it was, I was like, oh, so if I come and train here, do you think I could have a fight? Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to do, was I wanted to have one fight. And they were like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you be able to? Because by then, I didn't know. Things had boxing, changed. Yeah, women's boxing was happening, and it was like, oh sweet. So I was like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna train here, and I'm gonna, you know, I think it was a little while before I actually started, but um, yeah, then I, I did start, um, and I went back to boxing, and in 2008, I had four fights. I had my first fight, and I like I was hooked. I was like, such a buzz. I'd never even been to a boxing. I never even watched boxing. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. I actually never watched boxing um, on TV or... I think I watched the Holyfield fight, of um, Holyfield and George Foreman fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one. I think I watched that, and that was the only boxing I ever watched on TV. And then, yeah, my never went to a fight, just my own. <laughs> and it was like everything that, you know, it's like everything you get taught goes out the window in your first fight. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but it was just the adrenaline, and I was like hooked, and that was it. Um, and then I remember getting an um, interview with the, because it was down in Wanganui, there was like 1,200 people there, I think. And the Wanganui paper interviewed me, and they were like, oh, How did you like your first fight? And it, I remember the photo, it was this terrible photo of us, like throwing these, no guard, just throwing punches here, you know, like both hitting each other in the face <laughs> at the same time. Um, but I remember saying to them that I loved it so much and I was going to represent New Zealand. <laughs> that was, I told them, I'm going to I'm going to represent New Zealand now. And uh, <laughs> it was like, you've just had one fight, like now that I look back. <laughs> And um, yeah, set a precedent for yourself. Well, I must have, you know, like I so I did four fights, um, and then I took a couple of years off. I took like so that was in two thousand eight. Had the four fights, took um, two years off, and I went back in <coughs> end of two thousand and ten. Maybe I took longer off, but I remember I didn't fight till two thousand and eleven, and I fought in two eleven. And yeah, then that was it. That was pretty. That was really the start of my amateur career. I know I had the four fights, but I probably never got serious about. Well, I didn't get serious about boxing until I came back to it, and that's in my mind. That's when it all started. And it, um, yeah, I just man, I fought heaps, like you know, and as much as I could, as much as I was allowed to. I was always just training, train, you know, alongside Sam heaps and. Um, you know, he like he was our club captain, and when when he left, I became the club captain and stuff. So it was, 
And then I've represented New Zealand. You know, I got selected to go over to, um, well, what happened actually, because back then you used to, they used to stop at 34, the amateur career was over at 34. I actually had to retire at 34. Um, I had managed to um, have a fight like in the New Zealand team against Aussie, we had this camp, and then straight after that, we I had two fights. I fought the New Zealand, uh, the Aussie number one in the 60 kg and the number one in the 64 kg. One weekend we trained with the Aussie team, and then we we um, fought them at the following weekend. Um, and then yeah, they um, after that I was had to retire officially. And I retired for like four months, and then they brought out you can box until you're 40 in the amateurs. Oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, but Jake had said to me, I can remember he had been like, um, oh, there's a possibility they might extend the age. So if you want, you know, like just keep training. So I'd keep training anyway, and then as soon as it was like official, yep, we're back out there, and we went to Taiwan with the New Zealand team and yeah that was um, yeah and so I just keep fighting and and then still, <laughs> what about changing pro how did that kind yeah, of yeah so that came about I've been I mean an RM for a little while um, about it I don't know why I just sort of you know because it's actually really hard to get uh, fights as a pro um, especially for a woman um, but yeah I just kind of had been talking on and off to Sam I remember talking to Daniela um, about it and she was Daniela Smith and she was like don't ever do it for the money because you, uh, uh, you're not paid jack shit you know for women um, in the pros <clears throat> and it, you know so it's, it's never really been about that for me I just love this love the sport and I always thought my style was a bit more pro than amateurs like yeah I just um, I'm a bit of a Get in there, a bit of an animal. Type. I want to say meathead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, meat Just attack, hey? Yeah, and. Because um, that's one thing Sam said about it when I did my episode with Sam is that um, amateurs is, is a sport. Yeah. And pro, they want to see blood. Yeah. yeah. Whereas and that's how you fight. Yeah, and, and, and it's um, it's actually been hard transitioning from that, that amateur because there, there were, like, has been old amateur habits that I've gone back to and. And stuff, and I think it's changed a little bit now the way the amateur with the they're scoring like the pros now, so it is a bit more sit down on your punches and, and you know that sort of thing. Um, but when I was as an amateur, it was the and same as when Sam was, it was the scoring point scoring like, and so you would have actual scores of like 11, 15, or whatever. You know, sometimes are crazy different scorings, and it was all. Point tags count. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, whereas now it's a bit more you know like it, it's scored the same way as the pros are like on the 19 yeah um 10 9s and yeah then yeah so that's how I he, he was like do you wanna do you wanna come and fight on one of my cards and I was like yeah I do <laughs> <laughs> and so I did so I fought um, Wendy on my as my debut and um yeah that was I loved it I loved it I don't know, I, I enjoy I enjoy the pros and I like having no head care and Did I you like my like, more rounds like I love like I love if I you know I've only done one eight rounder but I'm I'm comfortable doing lots of rounds I always make sure I'm fit enough for for that so. 
Could you ever see yourself in a coaching role? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's definitely on my mind. Um, definitely will be something um, down the down the track when I'm ready to stop fighting. Mm. Um, I think it, I think it's I'm still a bit selfish at the moment where I'm doing chasing my dreams a little bit and going into like you know going off to Thailand and, and fighting and and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, I just but I definitely want to do it. Like I just think it's got so much can help so much. Um, you know. Well, you've been through it from what I gather from coaches. Yeah. When you go through stuff, there's so much shit you know you can be better. Yeah. So you want to yeah. make an effort to make sure that those changes, yeah, if not definitely come into play, at least get explored for the future of the sport. Sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I just, um, you know, like I, I've learned from every single one of my coaches, you know, like that, you know, coaching, coaching is a real non-selfish um, attribute, you know, like it's not selfish because you have to give all your time to other people. Boxing, when you're the fighter, is very selfish, you know. So I know that when I do, am ready to give it up, give boxing up. I'll, you know, like I've got to be completely ready to hang the gloves up, and uh, <laughs> which I'm not at yeah. the moment. And um, yeah. So I'm talking about hanging up gloves in in I guess Thailand. How did that all come about? How did yeah, Thailand so, come about? So after after my last fight, I so fought baby on my last fight. I was had a lot lots of shit going on. That obviously, like I said to you, like mum, um, you know, uh, tried to commit suicide. It has so much. If I had told you half the shit that was going on, I'd be like, no wonder you like, I'm out of here. Get well, it's it. funny because I bet you, I bet you, so many people would have been thinking, wow, Tans hasn't had a fight in a while, or wondering all the stuff <laughs> and having no idea that you actually had a lot of shit going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly so, why I like to have these conversations so yeah, people can absolutely. can stop making these assumptions yeah, and kind of yeah. think, oh, they're just being lazy or whatever, yeah, yeah, nah. and actually realise that hey, there's a lot more that exists beyond the scope yeah. of what you know. Yeah, for sure. So I um after that it was after that fight I was really disappointed in my performance. I knew I knew that she'd won and I knew it was no fault of anyone's except my own because all I was thinking about was the shit I had to deal with after the fight. Mm-hmm. Instead of being there in the fight fighting, which is where I should have been, mm-hmm. I was the next day when the fight's over I can go and I can address these issues. Um, that have happened in the last 10 weeks of my life and you know because like I've got a great team you know behind me and that was one thing that they've been like just you you know they knew what was going on um, and they're just trying to get me through that fight you know and then I could deal with that other shit yeah I just I just should should have been more focused on my fight than I think I was and so I just did dumb shit that I know that I did dumb stuff that I don't normally do you know like going backwards a lot and just doing stupid shit like you know um yeah so I was really frustrated with myself and the situation around me so I I decided that I would take ownership of the situation and I'd put myself first and be selfish um because at the end of the day I've got these dreams and I love the sport that I want to do um, so unless I do that and go and focus 100% on myself for training and all that sort of stuff then um, you know like 
then it's down to me. So, yeah, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Thailand and I'm going to go there for three months and I'm going to train. And I'm, whether I have a fight or not, I'm going to be open to whatever, but I'm going there to train and just sink myself into that environment and do that. And, yeah, so that's why I went to Thailand and, and um, it was the best thing I ever could have done, like, just for myself, where I was at um, mentally. Uh, you know, going through separation and stuff like that. I just I needed to to be able to yeah you know, do that and give my sport that you know that one hundred percent. So what's been happening over there? Yeah, so <laughs> I just trained. I just trained pretty much. You know, they had when when and um, did a couple of touristy things. But to be really really honest with you, all I did was jump into training um, camps. Uh, trained at three different places one in Bangkok one in Pattaya um, and one in Phuket so um, yeah just sunk myself in and just basically I was a professional athlete how it should be for three months except I had to fund it myself (laughs) (laughs) you know Um, so so what's different about training over there oh I guess it's the environment you're in the environment of just fighters all the time so you're always around people uh, that they're doing a, you know... Not like, needing jet planes in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, you don't have the distractions, I suppose, <laughs> of jet planes. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're not... You're just constantly eating clean, drinking shitloads of water. Um, Even your conversations, eh? Like, people don't realise, like, how much they actually... Yeah. Because you know, I'm, I know, like, um, you know, I've, I'm obviously not a boxer, but I've yeah. I've done it before. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've yeah. and I've had people, you know, they might do it again. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'd give it another shot, but yeah. like, you know, giving opinions or a lot of the couch coaches come out and stuff, and yeah. you know, it, it is water off a duck's back, but it does chip away at you a little bit. Yeah. And so when you can limit that sort of energy around you and just have people who actually know what the fuck they're talking yeah. about, not a dude who sits on the couch and like, oh, I was just fighting, you should yeah. do this. Like, it's, it's probably yeah. that. Why that, don't you do this? Yeah, Why yeah. You hit them when this happens. As much as the, you know, the diet and the exercise obviously a big part. Like yeah. a lot of that, that, that give and take of energy and, and yeah. people around you, it makes a huge difference too. Eh? Massively, massively, and and to be in that environment, um, you know, and and the guys that you're working like I'm, I spent uh, five weeks with some Filipino guys, the instructors, and um, Filipinos and Thais. They made like three hundred fights each. Fuck. You know, as amateurs, you know, and then they've had, got, had a record of like 40 professional fights. You know, one of the guys, one of the older guys that did pads with, he fought Manny Pacquiao when they were in the amateurs, you know, like, he's like, and I beat him. And I was like, <laughs> did you? I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, um, they're so relaxed. They're... they're the fight sport for them is like our rugby, I guess. Mm. They're starting at little tackers, and by the time the, you know, one of the guys went professional at fifteen, like, <laughs> you know, and so he was he was thirty, um, he was thirty when he was coaching me over there, and we sparred so fast. Like these guys are so fast. I'm like. Holy shit! You can't help but you're in that environment. You can't help but take away some attributes of you know, like whether it's speed or whatever. You what you become what you're around. You know, 
So, yeah, I, I just loved it. I was just like, give me... In fact, I loved it so much I got flying out next week for Didn't another go back. five weeks. Yeah. Mean. <laughs> um, so that's how much I loved it. And I'm quite, I'm quite happy to go back and forth if I need to, you know, and, and sink myself into that sort of um, environment and do camps and, yeah, who knows? Who knows what can come of it? But, you know, while like I kind of... Um, was really open to whether I got a fight or not and I actually had a fight so I came back because I had a fight set up in, um, that was going to happen in Newcastle um, but unfortunately that fight fell through um, and I'd already changed my tickets and stuff like that so I was like oh well, I've got to come back and sort some other stuff out so uh, I'll come back I think I hit the coldest part of the winter <laughs> <laughs> it's been like, sweet until these last few yeah, days. Yeah, that's what everyone's like, been like. two weeks. Yeah, and that's when I came back, and everyone's been like, well, you kind of hit the bad time. And, I and then like, you're going to piss off when it comes nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but then I'll come back, and it'll be primo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be real. Yeah. Um, one question I've always, this is a completely selfish question, yeah. I've, I've always wanted to ask you, because we've joked about this a lot when we've like trained together and stuff yeah. like that and, and things. Um You've already covered the, the, the Polynesian thing, which is something I was going to bring up, so that's choice. The other thing I wanted to bring up was the tomboy thing, because that, that comes up heaps. Or you're, yeah. like, it's funny, like, you bring it up more than anyone yeah. I've found. Well, um, boys. But, yeah, that's it. But how is that? Because um, there's a lot of... I know there's a lot of people that will be listening that are one of the boys, one of, yeah. one of the girls, one of the boys. Yeah. How has that been, um, I guess, an advantage and even a disadvantage, or how has that kind of worked its way into life and, and looking back on things kind of how has that played a part in yeah it's, it's weird because I have from day dot always been a tomboy like, like <laughs> I don't even want to say this but I'm going to say this this is <laughs> kind of out there I remember going through a phase um, at Honey Florence's place and she was mortified where I wanted to pee like the boys did. Oh, shit. I had three cousins, and we used to, get, so we used to play wrestling in the lounge, mm. and we put down all the um, pillows on the ground, and we would play wrestling, and there was no holes barred like wrestling. Like, we were jumping on Jimmy Fly's snooker, you yeah. know, like, all that sort of stuff, like, who, you know, and it didn't matter. I was the smallest. I was the only girl. I, my first black eye was by my cousins, you know, my second black eye and fat lip was by my cousins, you know, because I was a smart ass. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, so I've always, I remember mum wanted me to do ballet. And so. Fuck, I cannot imagine you to. <laughs> I was five years old and I can remember stomping and then they kicked me out of the ballet class because all I was doing was stomping and not doing what I was told. I was like stomping my feet on the ground. And because I didn't want to do ballet, I wanted to play soccer or, you know, with the with the boys mm. or play, um, what was it we used to play? Scrag? Do you remember Scrag? Yeah, shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like rugby with no try line. Yeah. Like you just had a ball and you just fucking direct all the shit just, out of each other. Yeah, tackle ball rush all the time, like tackle ball rush, real ball rush. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, so that's why I wanted to do that. I don't want to do ballet. What was she thinking? Trying to get me to do ballet and... Um, yeah, I never did rugby, but yeah, boxing, um, and so, so there's always been this. I guess I've always been one of the boys. Like some of my closest friends are guys. You know, like I, I do have like girlfriends that are my like, my best friends and stuff. But I've got like a lot of guy friends that I just hang out and we just shoot the shit and, um, 
you know, other sports, I guess I've been play, uh, playing a male-dominated. I was in the territorials. It was male-dominated. Um, I'm like, yeah, I kind of consider myself to be one of the boys. The conversations don't change around me. I was going to say, like... Because I am one I was going to say, have you been pretty privy to some conversations oh, yeah, yeah. that most women probably wouldn't be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and still are, you know, and it, and most people are like... They'll kind of, like, glance, like, people that don't really know me, they'll kind of glance, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Give them the check. There. Yeah. And then the boys are like, oh, don't worry about Tan. She's one of the boys. doesn't even matter. Like, and that's how it's always been, and you know, because it's, and it is, it's pretty, I don't, I don't really care what's said, and, you know, it's just, uh, maybe it's, sometimes I find, and don't get me wrong, I love, um, my own <laughs> my own kind <laughs> sometimes I find girls conversations can be a little bit draining <laughs> yeah and guys just it's just easy we can just hang out and like talk dumb shit and mock the shit out of each other <laughs> like I love banter like that's you know like um we got a boxing crew that there's so much banter that goes on in it it's just funny you know like you know all the time just a bit of banter and that that's what makes it you know, it's just, yeah, so, um, yeah, I think, and because I am one of the boys, it's easy, guys are comfortable, like, I don't know, I don't really know what it is, <laughs> just comfortable, but then maybe it has another side, because sometimes, like, you know, yeah, it, um, it's like, oh, she'll be, she's right, you know, like, when I'm having a shit time, or I've got some emotions to deal with, I don't, I don't know how to maybe express them as well as I should and I don't want to do it in front of the boys because they don't know what to do because of what fuck, Tan's having to cry, what's she going to cry, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, how do we deal with this, you know, <laughs> it's like when one of the boys have a cry sort of thing, it's like, um, yeah, so... It's still something we're learning to do yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah, and I, and I probably <laughs> sum up there in it too, trying to learn learn how to do but um yeah I've learned to probably be a little bit like easier on myself then, then I go and find the girls and have a girl conversation that's when you tap yeah. it in yeah yeah and they and they hug it out and cry <laughs> and <all> that. <laughs> so, yeah. a couple of questions to finish yeah um I guess how do I even put this from from everything you've been through yeah what, what has life taught you um you know life uh, it is what it is you know shit happens in life and, and there is always someone who's had it worse um, you know I I kind of I'm, I'm an optimist massively like I always look at the positives and things um, or the, the glasses half full type thing is that optimist that one yeah. yep. I think yep. and, uh, and that's um, you know let's just like whatever happens happens and um, take it as it comes probably um, enjoy life live life live your best life chase your dreams that all the things probably I've learned more so lately you know in the last um, six months um, just chase your dreams if you've got something you want to do do it like yeah and you're never too old to do shit you know like I know that people are like when's she going to give this shit up and I'm um, guess what <laughs> I actually feel pretty good, <laughs> and I, you know, I can um, kick it out with the twenty-year-olds and, and sparring, and, and you know, make them work, and the twenty-five-year-olds. So 
why would I give it up? You know, mm. like, um, if there's, there'll come a stage, I'm sure, one day, and I'll be like, okay, I'm a coach now. You know, I'm tired of having to make weight all the time or, or not make weight or whatever, but, um, yeah. Every fighter's favourite part. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, not eating jet planes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. The, the, I guess the one question that I ask everyone who, who appears on the podcast, you know, bearing in mind that you're not a mental health professional or anything like that, but um, there's someone right now who's listening is going through a bit of a rough patch. What would your advice be to help them climb out of that? Um, I put yourself first, definitely, and don't be too hard on yourself. Like, I think we, we're too hard sometimes on ourselves because we make life quite complex. Um, you know, we work hard, we play hard and all that sort of stuff and we put so much pressure on ourselves. Take, don't, don't, you don't have to um, do anything you don't want to. You don't have to live life a certain way. Just enjoy life and, yeah, just be easy on yourself. Like, don't expect yourself to be up here and just um, reach out if you need to reach out to someone reach out and don't be too proud to to um, ask for help because it's you know there's always someone out there that's got some sort of advice or or something from what they've been through you know you can look at someone and think that person looks like uh, whatever um, like I think I look like you're probably standard white middle class well, not middle class, but you know what I mean. But maybe hearing hearing about my story has indicated that I'm far from that. And um, it just shows that, you know, everyone's got some sort of thing that they can help other people with. So, yeah, if I hope that this helps someone. <laughs> there it is, episode 14 with Tans talking about so many things from family to training to self-love to the birth of his son and the craziest story of them all, uh, how Tim Tams probably managed to save her life and change the game for her and get her off the street. Make sure you keep an eye out for Tans. She's going to be doing the rounds in Taranaki in the near future, touring around the belt. And, of course, make sure you keep an eye out everywhere uh, where they'll be screening it for her uh, fights because we know that she's pretty much just getting started. Um, which is pretty nuts. So make sure you check her out on all social if you need to find her. Um, as you heard in there, she's always looking for sponsors and things to help out because she's pretty much paying for everything herself when it comes to training over in Thailand uh, to get herself to the next level. All right, catch you next time. Make sure you keep it locked in. Find us on all social, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you leave a review. We appreciate your reviews here on Best Side. So, yep, keep it locked in. We'll see you next time.